0: hey guys welcome back to so to speak i'm evan mead i'm lyle Groninger, and tonight we thought it would be fun to talk about the things that we consider guilty pleasures um how would you define a guilty pleasure lyle uh, I would define it as something that you really like that the majority
1: of the population on planet Earth might have few grievances with.
0: Yeah, like the kind of things that if you say you like, people will look at you weird. Something that you
1: that is you know objectively bad, but you like it anyways. Okay, that's probably the best example.
0: Of now a way to define it, we've got a uh, a a uh, producer's favorite, Cody McDonald again. Uh, not gonna bust his balls about the fact that he isn't a co-host this time, so we'll just, uh, get to... Leave
2: me alone!
0: <laughs> Anyways, leave me alone. Let's...
2: What am I, what am I filthy on this goddamn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm
0: kidding. Cool. Alright. But we'd like to welcome a newcomer to the show, Brandon Levine. Yep. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us. It's cool. So, uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon and I actually went to high school together and, uh, we've been kind of in the same circle of friends, uh, from our graduating class ever since. So it's good to have you. Uh, let's get this show on the road. Um, Lyle, what's, uh, a first, we're going to talk about a food that we consider a guilty pleasure A TV show, a movie, or a musical artist? And a musical artist. And a musical artist. Those are four topics. So we've got four topics to cover tonight. So, the first is food. So, Lyle, what's a food you consider guilty pleasure or Uh, a place to eat? uh, I think my biggest guilty pleasure has to be
1: McDonald's. It's like, no matter how many times I watch Super Size Me no matter how many times i hear like the bad facts about how anything there is processed and made and no matter how many bad experiences i have i keep eating mcdonald's like on a not as much as i used to because well i'm not going out as much anymore because of the covid but like it's just something i always eat on a regular semi-regular basis and i kind of hate myself for it but <laughs> i can't help it <laughs> Um, I think my go-to is the McGangbang, which is not even an item, but if you take, like, a McDouble, you open it up in half, and you put, like, a Junior Chicken inside of it, you get, like, this triple burger that is, like, five dollars, and it's, like, half the cost of a Big Mac. It's kind of filling, too. Oh, no, there's, if you go on the internet, there's all sorts of, like, secret menu items you can get if you just get a couple items together. There's also something called surf and turf, or like a a surf wind and turf, where it's like you get a McChicken, uh, a freaking Big Mac, and a fillet of fish, and you put them all together. And I'm like no, because that's just because I hate fillet of fish, and that's a ton of bread, so I'm just like no, man. Yeah. Another thing, <coughs> bless you. Sorry. Another thing I don't like is. I sort of got two years in a row. I was doing the Monopoly game, and I got almost every category filled. Like if there was like three categories, I got two of them filled, or one or the other was filled. And I was so close to getting a prize, and and two consecutive years. And everyone was like, "Oh, you have the worst luck ever, Lyle." I'm like, "I know." <laughs> uh,
0: I, I, it, don't, I don't know why I like McDonald's. It's bad. I just I got one thing it. to say about that Monopoly thing. It starts with one thing. I don't know why. It doesn't even matter if you order fries.
1: I tried so hard and got so far. In the end, end. it only made me fatter. My cholesterol has got to fall. Because in the end, it only made me fatter. I think that's a good thing. Is pin. that a sort of Weird Al?
0: Song? That's a Weird Al. It's a Weird there. Al style parody of Monopoly at McDonald's.
1: In the end by Lincoln Park. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I guess I'm ready to move on. There isn't
0: too much to say. Uh, yeah, this is going to go by quickly. No, it's just food. It's yeah. our experiences. Uh, Brandon, what's a food that you consider yourself have a guilty pleasure for? To have a guilty pleasure for? I would for say.
3: A guilty pleasure of mine, even though a lot of people say that it's bad, is pineapple on pizza.
1: Oh,
3: yeah. I like it. And the thing with that is that I think a lot of people that prejudge it are usually people that are either giving in to what society says about it or they just haven't tried it yet. And for
0: those people, I would say, don't knock until you try it. I don't. I don't understand. We we talked about this on our very short pizza episode. Yeah, I, we ended the episode on that note. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna disown if any of you ever say you eat pineapple on pizza. Excuse me, I'm not gonna disown you. It's it's do each his own. I don't care. But people, I think this is just. I think pineapple on pizza is a conspiracy to divide people on the internet even more. Like, you know, how we're so divided over everything? I feel like some fuckhead, you know, started bashing pineapple on pizza and was like, oh, yeah, and anyone who likes pineapple on pizza is, like, a douchebag or some I, shit.
1: I mean, I wouldn't eat a pizza composed entirely of pineapple, but yeah, Hawaiian pizza is oh, pretty sure.
0: good. Yeah, well, if pineapple was the only topping, that's boring, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, like, in my weird. case,
3: I'll order pineapple and I'll put maybe some jalapenos... Some Greek olives, some feta. It's like a flavor bomb at that point. Yeah, some it's sweet, spicy, some like salty. Yeah.
0: If I wasn't full, if I wasn't filled on Chinese food right now, Brandon, I'd order a pizza because you're making me <laughs> hungry. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. If anyone yeah, ever just says. To kind of
2: throw, just to throw my two cents in, yeah. I, I don't even buy pineapple enhancement on a pizza. It's a fine combination. Like, It's not my go-to, but if it was the option there and I wanted pizza, I'll take it. I'm not
1: going to, like, throw up from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If anyone ever says that fruit doesn't belong on a pizza, just tell them that that's what what tomato sauce is for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you can go shove your head out of your
0: ass. And, guys, there's worse things that can go on pizza. Like, oh, that's another guilty pleasure conversation for another time. Uh... Your turn, Evan, or Cody's? I think it. Yeah, I know it's. We. Yeah, it's my turn. Okay. So, um, mine isn't real. Mine is actually a style of food that it's a type of food that I'll eat, but I eat it with one crucial difference from the rest of the world. I'm the type of loser who will eat cereal without any milk. Like people at people sometimes see people who don't like milk and cereal as you know badass or all tough i'm not a tough guy but i ever since i was a little kid i do not look like cereal milk in my cereal i it just makes it soggy and uh, i was introduced to cheerios like plain cheerios um i will i won't if there's like fruit i'll have fruit with cereal but i don't like milk with cereal no, Not too much to say about it It's just the <clears throat> texture The soggy texture it creates Doesn't bode well with me you, And every single time I'll go to like a, a hotel buffet breakfast with friends And I'll grab like some You know cornflakes or frosted flakes Or whatever the f- or whatever's available And I don't get milk People look at me like I'm fucking weird Are you like that girl in Get oh, Out no. Where you have a bowl
1: of cereal And you have a bowl of milk next to it Oh god you no, no no one no no. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. I'm actually, I, I honestly, I, I eat, uh, a lot of the breakfast foods I have actually need large amounts of milk to take, to get the flavor right. Like I'm a big, the most common thing I cook for breakfast is French toast, scrambled eggs second, and then pancakes. Third pancakes is probably the most time consuming breakfast food that anyone can cook, but I will have copious amounts of milk in the French toast to make, to get the flavor right. You have to. So, um, yeah, I
2: mean, I, I, I think the reason why you probably don't like it that way is probably traced back to something that happened when you were extremely young that you can't even remember.
0: That's possible.
2: Because <laughs> I noticed that. I, I can't really relate to what you were saying, but one trick that I still do, even to this day, that has to do with cereal, is that um, I always eat cereal out of a coffee mug. Coffee mug. That's okay. And, Interesting. And I... I, I, I or of mugs or anything like that the whole reason why I was because you figure this out is that i would get dropped off when i was like super little like uh two years old or something like that my mom was going to work and uh she put one cup of milk and she put one cup of cereal and i would just basically have it like on for me and i guess it is always just like a, a a natural practice that i've never broke out of <laughs> right
0: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Um, and I'll tell you this. The only... Uh, um, another food or drink I came close to talking about that I'll mention briefly was cranberry juice. And now that you mentioned psychological positioning, the reason why I fell in love with cranberry juice, another guilty pleasure I have, is because my dad... When I would go... After my parents split my and I would go spend weekends at my dad's, that was the only juice he had uh, he he never really had apple juice for some reason. and Eventually, I just you know started to love cranberry juice more and more. So hmm. cranberry was a ta-
2: juice was the cause of my very first zit.
0: It was <laughs> your very first zit. Your very first zit.
2: I noticed a pimple on my face after I had cranberry juice for the very first time when I was like twelve or thirteen.
0: Okay, so you're staying the fuck away, I guess.
1: I will never drink this shit ever again.
0: Okay. You <laughs> got a urinary tract infection. That's no, that's true. <laughs> I never get. What are you gonna
1: do then, Cody? I I never get urinary (laughs)
0: tract infections because I like chug cranberry juice like it's coffee every morning. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, because it's so
2: sugary, it's such a sugary beverage. That's that's because
0: that's because you gotta stay away from the president's choice shit. You gotta get like organic, natural cranberry. Yeah, don't get
1: Ocean Spray cranberry juice. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. 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 For Minute Maid or whatever. No, you gotta get like. Uh,
0: sugar-free. Not every cranberry juice brand is good, by the way, but no. I, I still like it. Not all cranberries. Exactly. So, uh, I'm pushing to Guilty Pleasure, so let's end yeah, this yeah, thing. It's, it's uh, right, Cody, Cody, talk to us. What kind of food do you like that we're gonna look at you like you're weird? Or yeah. just... Well,
2: it's kind of echoing a lot when Lyle just went into, but, uh, my
1: Guilty Pleasure is Taco Bell. Yeah. That's not a pleasure of mine taco
0: bell
2: it's a it's a food that destroys your fucking stomach and
0: quote unquote and, food yeah i have <laughs> to
2: apologize to my toilet every time I to
0: that. yeah um i got hey I, you want to hear another good one uh this is stolen from epic rap owls of history but it turns your butthole into a drive through you know <laughs> oh, <shit. Yeah. laughs> that's nursing yeah, it's yeah.
2: Just, i think it's Okay, there's obviously way better tacos out there. There's better gourmet tacos you home, but there's something about Taco Bell that clicks where nothing tastes like it.
0: Oh. Mm. It,
2: ha- it has that knock towards every other taco. You know that it's not properly made. And I know there's a huge debate on whether or not it's like there's statistics saying it's like 38 percent real meat or 88 percent real meat. It's, like, right in the middle. Like, who the fuck cares what's in it? It's all preservatives, it's all fiddlers and all. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it is, like, I think the only, like, fond memories I have with that place is, uh, just going there with my uncle a lot. There was this, there was, a Taco Bell that was in Windsor that, funny enough, didn't get rented, in like, 2012? Oh, okay. We really, have Taco Bell in Windsor that looked something like that was plucked out of the 1980s. Okay, all right. Like just the interior, those comfortable, like you know, metal seat, metal chairs, and everything's kind of like modern looking, like clearly neatly created. It lasted until about 2012. Oh, okay. And uh, my my order that I go, I always get two soft tacos, a beef burrito, and a fries supreme
1: oh okay i do like the fry supreme actually it that is yeah. that a is that a french
0: fry related uh dish sure. or... it's a bit like poutine okay kind of like somewhat ground beef on,
2: and cheese and a uh,
1: little bit of salt green onions green onions yeah tomato yeah that's no, all right yeah yeah it, it, it's definitely
2: something that i can't have like guess like you know, I'm, I'm a type 1 diabetic, so
0: I'll probably have this, like, once a year. Oh, okay. That's, pr- that's okay, here's the thing. You and you, Lyle talked about McDonald's, and you talked about Taco Bell. Um, I will go to McDonald's maybe three times a year. Whoa. I have never been to Taco Bell in my entire life. That's
2: <laughs> funny. Same, my girlfriend, Veronica, has never been there, and I tried to tell her on it, He's like, like
1: i have no <laughs> she wants to go she'd rather go to chipotle yeah she has taste yeah, <laughs>
2: Always,
1: like, quality. oh yeah quality. even fat bastard burrito is better than uh yeah taco bell but back when i was in london like uh yeah that's all they had they didn't have like any gourmet burrito stuff taco bell was the best you could get did you know
2: that they top cost 19 when they first opened
1: 19 cents tacos that So they
0: were sense. like the McDonald's of, of tacos Because the reason yeah. why McDonald's was so revolutionary Was because the Big Macs were served so fast And they cost so little Compared to other burgers Yeah, And it was founded by a guy by the name of Glenn Bell Glenn Bell <laughs> that, That's funny how uh, the guy who founded McDonald's Couldn't have the restaurant named after him Ray Kroc Because Kroc Burger doesn't have the same ring to it <laughs> Box.
2: But, uh, yeah, I, I have
0: to say, that I, I'm guilty to say that Taco Bell is a pleasure. Fine. All right. Okay. Aye now. I caramba. I indeed. Now on to, uh, TV shows. Oh, God. Uh, so, a TV, wait, uh, so, it's, yeah. It's, it's my turn. Your turn, Lyle. So. What's a TV
1: show that you like? Uh. This is, uh, one of my favorite shows to watch on Netflix. It ran on Adult Swim. It recently got canceled. And, uh, even though I'm not a sports fanatic, I have to say, Mike Tyson Mysteries was one of my favorite shows that none of my friends like to watch.
0: Hey! I even forced my dad to sit through it, and he's like, no, turn it off. I, I never said turn off I, I stuck my neck out through a couple episodes It's got some comedic appeal yeah. Humor doesn't jive with me all the time But I can appreciate the show well, uh, I, let, let me explain sure. the premise So,
1: Mike Tyson, a uh, retired heavyweight boxer uh, Creates a Scooby-Doo-like Mystery Incorporated gang With his Asian adopted daughter <laughs> uh, A homosexual ghost Named Marcus of Queensberry <laughs> And uh Pigeon and a sexually deviant pigeon voiced by Norm MacDonald. <laughs> Mike Tyson makes some interesting <laughs> crimes in there. You didn't even have
3: to tell us
2: this was adult this is
1: just like prime definition of adult swim. Yeah, it's adult swim incarnate. And like the the things the thing the reason why I call it guilty pleasure is that it is a quality show. I wouldn't call it necessarily bad, but it's incredibly out there and niche. Like it I it's, like, the writing is both incredibly intelligent, but also incredibly stupid and lazy sometimes. Like, each episode is ten minutes. There's a lot of filler in between. They set up, uh, they set up, like, a mystery. And more often than not, what the mystery just kind of no, either solves stuff. itself, or it's just completely wrapped up by some weird contrivance that's beyond, beyond like, any reason. Um, mm. if I had to give, like, an example. So, like, let's say an episode, oh... A guy's, one of my favorite episodes, a guy thinks his wife's cheating on him. They find her on a porn site, and she does. She meets her clientele at, like, a sex dungeon. They go to the sex dungeon undercover, and Marcus accidentally burns her with a cigarette. The woman, like, turns into a giant alien, and slaughters everyone in the fucking sex dungeon. And jumps in a UFO and rides away, and everyone's like, ew, there's blood and semen all over the floor. And and then, as it turns out, what the aliens were doing was they were gathering human sperm to put in their hot tubs as, like, spa treatment for their species.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On paper, this show sounds so funny.
1: It is funny. I won't say it's not. Um, Norm MacDonald makes the show. Yeah, despite being uh, the Mike Tyson show, I think think most of the supporting characters kind of outshine him in every way. Because Mike Tyson cannot voice act to save his life.
0: He really can't.
1: He stumbles through all of his Problems. lines. And they keep it in. And, like, he's he doesn't do a whole lot for the show. But at the same time, he's still, like, fun to watch. But Norm MacDonald makes the show for me.
0: But Very quick tidbit. How are his acting skills in general? Because I know he had a couple of bits in the Hangover movies. And he was okay in them. But he's not an actor by profession. Well, no. And, like, he's taken quite a few hits to the head, so (laughs) that's the reason
1: why he kind of, like, stumbles a lot. Doesn't he also have a lisp? Yeah, he does. Yeah. But, no. I don't know. It's just funny, because, like, Michael's, like, in the show... Sorry, everyone calls him Michael. They don't call him Mike. (laughs) Every every time... He'll go on these long monologues (laughs) where the writers clearly know he can't, like, say everything in the monologue. And they almost use it to their advantage. And, like... It's like he doesn't know any better. He, he acts like a child in most of the episodes. And they always end each episode with like a, a video interview of him just talking about some random thing that has something to do with the episode, but it's not really tied together or anything. Yeah. No, I remember one time I was at a comic book shop, and some guy was talking about this show, and I was like, I gotta watch this, and he is. Did you say it was on Netflix? It it is on Canadian Netflix. I don't know if it's on every streaming platform, but that's just how I got my hands on it. So if you guys okay. want to go check it out, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. yeah. They're they're very short. They're ten up. They're ten minutes apiece. So yeah, if you want like some fun. Uh, what, what, what's the word? Uh, undemanding or under demanding television? Then check it out. Yeah. I feel like Cody, you'll get the most out of it because it's pretty random.
0: Yeah. Anyways, that's that's uh, Mike Tyson. I'm, I'm moving on. Okay. Brandon, what do you got? I
3: think for me, my guilty pleasure would just be most of the shows that I watch in general, just because of being part of the reality. TV competition spectrum there. Most mm-hmm. people have opinions about that saying stuff like it's fake, it's scripted and other stuff like that. Which in some cases there is a little merit behind that.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Now, cuz in some cases They have a lot of the producers behind the scenes trying to manipulate the show, get uh, players that are in the game to take the story where they want it to go. But then you got shows like The Amazing Racing Survivor that they know the winners already by that point. They're gonna try and make the story so that we focus more on the people that are going to be around on that show for the long for the long run either that are going to be there at the end or could end up winning the show and I think that's where people get misconstrued that it is scripted when it's really just edited to make sure we know who the important characters are is
1: there a particular show you would pinpoint as like your favorite in the reality TV genre
3: I would say The Amazing Race was a favorite of mine for a long time. Just kind of seeing different places around the world, kind of seeing how people find their way in these different places with the language barriers, having to deal with the different locals and other people around them. It makes it kind of interesting.
1: Okay. Uh, I can't knock all of reality TV. It is highly pretty easy to produce i can see why it got so big after a while like in the 2000s yeah so yeah but yeah not a lot of people like it but yeah, it's, uh, not, it's
0: not very demanding i mean i because i come from a family that you know lived off of mainly basic cable packages growing up uh my mom actually would watch a lot of reality tv and so would i for a bit the shows we got into were... Um, uh, American and Canadian Idol. Uh, but I thought... Cana- I actually was one of those kids who thought Canadian Idol was better. What do Brandon, what do you think? Everyone says Canadian Idol is, or is worse than American Idol. And I don't know why. See, I only caught the last
3: two seasons of Canadian Idol completely. Oh, okay. And I really felt like a lot of singers in those last two seasons at least, were at least somewhat on par with the American Idol contestants back then.
0: Oh, okay. Now,
3: when I look at some of these ones like Adam Lambert or Chris Daughtry, Jordan Sparks, these ones that have done real well, I think the biggest problem with Canadian Idol is maybe they didn't promote their artists quite as well after the show as maybe American Idol did in some of their early seasons to get their artists to the level that they need to be to make a career out of it yeah, yeah. I think I had a relative
2: who was on Canadian oh yeah? yeah yeah I'm forgetting his name from Ford Hood um blanking on his name very long distance uh I don't think i've met
0: but uh yeah i'd probably have to look it up fact check that's that's cool uh now brandon you auditioned for okay so uh personally so do you you talked about your most favorite uh do you have a least favorite reality tv show brandon A least favorite or is one you dislike
3: Well, the ones that I'm not a fan of are probably the Bachelor ones, just because. Yeah. Just because. Many people find love on other shows, and despite that being the premise for The Bachelor, other shows like Big Brother and Survivor have probably had more success in that department.
0: Yeah. Bachelor and Bachelorette, or just ba- or is there a problem with Bachelor? Just dating
1: shows.
0: And- oh, yeah. just with the whole premise of it. Yeah. Uh, I gotta be honest, um, because I'm not as versed in this genre as you are, the worst reality TV show I've ever seen personally is The Apprentice. And no, I'm not saying that because of my dislike for Trump so much. I remember watching a couple episodes of The Apprentice, and the only. Parts of the show where I understood what was going on were the boardroom scenes where Trump would sit everyone down and give the famous tagline for the show, you're fired. And I will never forget this. Um, He took, Trump himself actually recorded a a promo for the show saying, I'm Donald Trump, watch The Apprentice on Global or you're fired. And I'm like, (laughs) that's funny. And uh, I Sure. So no, I didn't get The Apprentice I didn't understand what it was about I'm like, I have no clue what's going on It's edited badly The I only just get the boardroom scenes And that's it
3: So I do agree with that With The Apprentice is That despite the fact that I've watched The Apprentice, The Celebrity Apprentice I do find that when Tasks are going on Before the boardroom At the last little bit I find that it definitely tends to drag a little bit over the, over the course of the episode. And it's kind of hard to kind of just stay focused on what's going on or just very in tune with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. My personal favorite reality of each TV show was uh, extreme makeover home edition. I really, I, I love that show. It, it, it was very heartwarming. Uh, it was very heartwarming. I don't want to take up too much yeah. more time because I we got to move on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else you want? Uh, but yeah, I Brian, I just remember you were always this expert on reality TV sh- shows. Um, if I ever had a question about you know Survivor or The Amazing Race, I'd always go to you. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I always still always will go to you. Um, it kind of ties into my uh, category because. My Guilty Pleasure show that I'm going to talk about next was a reality TV show to an extent. um, Except uh, it was... Okay, Judge Judy. Uh, It was always on right before the shows I would... It was the show I would watch to kill time before The Simpsons would come on. Like No, every day after school, uh, when I was in grade 7 and 8, I would come home from school, just throw, do my homework, get it done before five. And after five was when like all the, the really cool shows came on, but we could all, that my brother and I would just watch like SpongeBob, uh, fairly odd parents, the Simpsons. Um, and even Arthur, like back when we were younger. But, uh, so, so I basically, uh, judge Judy was all, was on before those were, that was the show I would put on in the background while I was doing my homework. Um, and I gotta be honest, like, the the show's uh, stingers, like, the little clips they used, the commercials for the show, were more dramatic than the show itself because, like, they would show cases of, like, you know, tax fraud and, you know, theft and... Uh, but Judge Judy never dealt with any interesting crimes like murder or kidnapping or nothing because she's a TV judge. She's, she, de- I don't know. I, have I learned a little bit like where her law degree comes from. She's the type of judge that handles, you know, smaller claims. Like it, she's not going to try a murderer like ever on her show. So, yeah. um, yeah. The thing I, but she, she tries like, you know, petty disagreements between couples. Like a husband will sue his wife for running off with money or some shit like that. Or a club owner will screw one of the patrons out of a sweepstakes. Those are the kind of stuff that judge Judy would would go on. And the best part of the show is the judge herself like yeah she's still and that's why it's been going compared to other like court shows and other ju- tv judges like the people's court or judge joe brown which i don't think is on anymore i'll have to fact check that judge judy is still going her she so the,
3: the
2: appeal of it is her firm strict attitude that she has yeah.
0: towards
2: everybody yeah
0: she was so iconic that the Simpsons created a character based directly off of her. Do you, do you know which character I'm talking about, Cody? Or Lyle? Constance no. Harm. Right. Yeah. Judge Constance Harm. Judge Constance Harm and her her, oh. de, her debut episode was the parent, the parent rap episode where like she episode. orders, she court orders Bart and Homer to be tethered together and then when they break the tether and decide to bond... The judge gets angry and basically orders Homer and Marge to be shackled, like...
1: She's yeah. such funny a butthole.
0: Yeah. It's
2: funny, I actually thought the inspiration for that judge in the sentence was uh, Judge Ito. Judge who? Judge Ito from the OJ sentence.
0: It, c- it could have been, but, you know, she has one-liners like Judge Judy will. Like, um... Um, it's not an answer! Like, if if she was listening to this (laughs) podcast, she'd be saying, I'm just not an answer. Um, But she's... uh, Yeah, no, she drops one-liners. She drops quips. And... uh, I, I just remember, like... I remember getting tired of it and just turning it off. Because it's like, eventually, when you see enough of the show, you'll realize that... The cases she deals with are petty as fuck. She is an interesting judge herself, but the cases she deals with... Are petty. And I I will say this, though. I, I was way, way beyond the show, but years after I stopped watching, she did deal with one case where it involved a death. Like, seriously. The, the case went like this. Um, a lady tried to sue the person, tried to sue the family of someone who died on her property, and her case was so appalling that Judge Judy herself threw it out within the first five minutes. She's like, this this case is done. And the t- the episode is literally wrapped up, like, ahead of schedule. And wow. the, the plaintiff was such a scumbag that they're still talking as the bailiff is like, yeah, parties are excused. Everyone step out. But as far as I know, Judge Judy, she is a real judge uh she's trained to deal with she's legally trained to try smaller claims courts where like fraud is committed she doesn't deal with anything crazy but her personality is what kept the show going for as long as it has and uh you can't fail to it's not a critically appealing show um but it's been on for a while and i got a kick out of it like um there's something about her personality that like the show is cringy but interesting at the same time. That's why I say it's a guilty pleasure. Moving on. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: well, uh yeah, before we get into my uh, my choice for my television show is a guilty pleasure, I need to respect the <laughs> warning. The stunts we are about to talk about were performed by professionals. For your safety and protection of those around, do not sent any stunts we are about to talk
3: about. Oh. Jackass.
1: jackass. Oh my God.
2: I think I love jackass much. My- <laughs> you think sorry, you love it my- too much? My own intelligence sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah i mean come on a I, I television show that's just dedicated to a bunch of idiots that do crazy stunts or these insane pranks to each other or to the public all for our entertainment
1: yeah <laughs> i mean
2: that's off to them
1: very much so i like how much thought was put into a lot of the pranks too like I remember Jeff Tremaine had to, like, develop entire, like, systems of how to shoot everything as well. Yeah. But anyway, I don't want to get there. Cody, tell me, tell, tell me what you like so much about Jackass. Uh, When I discovered I was younger, it was kind of mind-blowing. Because
2: I came from, like, watching a lot of like, comedies where slapstick and prep were obviously fake. Because they're movies. But there was something my when I learned what was, where I'm like, wait, they're actually doing this to themselves? Like, they're actually hurting themselves. Like, it's real. It's almost like a documentary stupidity, and this amusing, uh, you, you almost feel welcomed by the jackass crew every time you watch it. Yeah. You kind of feel like a part of them. They're like, just, like you're hanging out with them, and they're, it's just friends being friends, and they all laugh at each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just a quick little you know reoccurring things that I show uh, like there's Bam Margera, he's the professional supporter who always fucks with his parents filling. <laughs> uh, there's a speech book. you know I, one of my favorite ones when he swallowed a goldfish and he, he all the way back up into the pool, and the goldfish is alive
0: Wow. That makes
2: sense, yeah. That's it's kind of interesting. interesting. Um, Johnny Knoxville is, like, pretty much the main guy of the whole crew. He's the host. Yeah, I love that he, like, walks down the street with two broken arms and his pants fall down, and he has to, like,
1: ask strangers to help take his pants up. <laughs> he'd always yeah. dress up like an old man and just do all these pranks. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Irvin just. This- which carries all the way out into the movies.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, the movies. My, well, my favorite, well,
2: my favorite, uh, my favorite stunt on the Jackass show was uh, Nutball. Nutball. <laughs> so basically, what they do is they sit across the room from, from each other, and they spread open their legs, and they wear like tidy what like on the on the on their nuts, and they just toss this rubber ball across the room and try to hit their nuts. It's just so stupid (laughs) But The show became so popular It was a You know It's an MTV show It was a big hit But then Paramount Pictures Like Hey yo We're gonna cut the money If we distribute a film So They came out with not one But two But three Well Actually More than three films Yeah if you count count Bad Grandpa Yeah, if you count Bad Grandpa, apparently there's an upcoming Jackass 4 coming out. Yeah. Um, And then you got all those in between, uh, like Jackass 2.5, Jackass 3.5, which is basically all the cut stuff from all the movies.
1: Well, then there's spinoff shows, too, like Viva La Bam. Like, they kept going even after Jackass. Yeah,
2: Viva La Bam Wild Boys. Yep. Yeah. They're all in the same caliber. Avivo and is definitely more reality show. Like, it's probably scripted, half-ish, six and half scripted stuff. But uh, Wild Boys is more like, basically watching Animal Planet. Like, you'll learn a couple of facts about animals all around the world, but then they'll do jackass stuff. They'll be like, hey, check out this African elephant, and they'll name facts about it, and then they'll just have it take a shit on the something. Uh, yeah yeah that sounds about uh, right. let me ask you guys what what
0: what stuff from pack would you guys do oh god what stuff oh that i didn't know we were going to be asked this question um um i know mine <laughs> um i know mine just because uh actually i know mine because it seems like the most gross but um i feel like i would somehow be able to avoid the deadliest part of it um I would probably do the butt beer, uh, challenge where, but apparently like, um, my friend, but my buddy back in high school showed me, I was over at his house one summer and he was showing me, uh, Jackass number two and the butt beer, uh, stunt was in that movie. And he explained to me that, you know, you could actually die from alcohol poisoning by chugging beer through your butt because your anal cavity absorbs alcohol into your, like, system faster than your 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 oral cavity does. So, yeah. so, apparently, like, it's extremely dangerous, but he's able to, like, you know, get it all out of there. Like, um, I, I, I do feel gross talking about it, but I feel like that's the one where I would, you know, not get hurt. You know, because I, I, I don't like pain. I, I would not do a stunt where I could get seriously hurt or a bone a broken bone. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, if I could do a stunt,
1: um, probably the only one I'd feel, like, fine with is when they have those giant bouncy balls and they jump off roofs and land and it flings them, like, like a quarter of the yard off. Like, actually, that's another good one? I don't know. Any stunts with, like... Uh, Oh, I know. i do the one where, like, uh, Bam just bursts into his dad's bathroom and beats the fuck out of him and runs away. <laughs> that, that, that's a better one. I, I, I would have fun doing that one. It's like, a, geez, Bam, you gotta take it easy, buddy. You're going crazy. Yeah.
0: Jesus. <laughs> if you do that to me, I will never forgive you. Just come and beat my ass while I'm in the washroom oh, like, or something.
1: It's
0: not like it really hits on that hard. I'm kidding, but you
3: gotta make this sound like the Kool-Aid man bursting into that Oh yeah. Oh
2: yeah! <laughs> boom boom! <laughs> 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 Fuck off, Lyle!
1: You're taking this <laughs> too <laughs> far, Lyle. <laughs> You're going <laughs> crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Brandon, do you what have about? any stunts? I don't know enough. See, Cody, I was put on the spot because I don't know enough about Jackass like you and guys do to pick a favorite stunt. I just picked the one that I know the most and the, the one I have the least chance of dying from or being seriously hurt from.
1: Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I've never watched the show, but I've watched all the movies several times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, The well, the movie, it's funny with all
2: three films, there's one stunt that they do in each, in every movie, each, all three films that I actually get so grossed out on that I always get. Oh, yeah. The first one is the one in the first movie when they give each other paper cuts in between their fingers.
0: Oh, yeah. On oh. their lips. I, I can't. Do you know it's what? I good. actually, uh, when I was in elementary school, I got a paper cut, like, on the webbing of my, of my hand, and it's actually, it was actually a really painful experience. Hmm. What about the, the other second- two?
2: was when they uh milked that horse for its thumb and then Chris Pioneers his it.
1: Yeah yeah Chris did the he slurped some oh, horse juice. and he felt
2: so ashamed of himself afterwards.
1: Oh god. I mean And it... the third one was the one where they get pressed
2: into wear like the sweatsuit. Oh. And he's on the, he's like on the treadmill or something, sweats and then Stevo just like rings out the sweatsuit and makes, like, a cocktail of all his sweat and he drinks it, he, like, immediately throws
1: up. Well, steve always throws up. Goddamn. Remember, uh, that, remember that one... Yeah, you, uh, that's a good impression. Remember that one camera guy they hire? I swear to God, they only hire him because he, he throws up so easily. Oh, yeah. And they always get his reaction to him <laughs> throwing up at what they're doing.
0: Bastards. Um, yeah. You know what? Uh, I remember in Jackass 2, they eat uh literal feces. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, God,
1: jacket you might be the best one. Oh yeah. Movies.
0: Um,
1: uh, Cody, who's your favorite member mm-hmm. of the squad? Oh, good question. Um,
2: so I'm just like you have to go the opposite with process of elimination, but they all do so many great, unique stunts because they all have like, different personalities. Mm-hmm. Like it's, but what do I, I guess I always watching it's kind of maybe steve because he's just a daring idiot <laughs> yeah. yeah uh like the guy fucking shoves a he shoved a fish hook through his cheek and he jumps into the <laughs> ocean and swims
0: with sharks <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> Like. <laughs>
0: well uh balls on that guy. yeah okay so before we move on I would like to thank Cody McDonald for making this the grossest so to speak we've ever done <laughs> <laughs> well
2: and, and also reminder that the stunts we just talked about were performed by professionals yeah for your safety and the protection of those around you do not attempt any stunts we have just talked about. yeah
0: so I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not chugging butt beer anytime soon
2: <laughs> cool. the disclaimer is almost
0: joke yeah <laughs> yeah kind of like
1: south park get some of these yeah uh but yeah mom. no i guilty to say
2: that jackass is a pleasure of mine
0: okay all right so what's the next best thing than tv shows movies what are some movies that lyle you go guilty for <clears throat> okay so my biggest guilty
1: pleasure of all time is the truly touching story of an aspiring animator who wants nothing more than his father's (laughs) approval. And and my pick for tonight is Freddy Got Fingered.
0: You know, when you you describe the plot of Freddy Got Fingered badly, it actually sounds like it's a good movie. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I I unabashedly love Freddy Got Fingered. I think it's hilarious as fuck. Okay, so now we got the premise out of the way. Who's in it?
1: Uh, well, it's kind of funny. He kind of came out around. He was popular around the same time as Jackass. Uh, Mr. Tom Green. Uh, uh Tom Green, Canadian American comedian who uh, got huge on MTV. He was uh, married to Drew Barrymore for a while. For Drew Barrymore for like less than a year. So. Wow. But that's more than any of us can ever say. So good for him. Yeah. Um uh where do I even start with before I got fingered? It's it's I, I can't tell if it's like intentionally stupid or it's just Tom Green doing whatever he wants on camera, but there's so many scenes that just don't connect with anything and they always go for like the most extreme like end of the end of the spectrum with every scene. Like let's say like Gord builds a skateboarding ramp and his best friend who's like this office guy. He's like, hey, you got hey, let's try out this ramp. We spent years building it, and they go on it, and his buddy just totally eats shit. And you think you get a sprain or something, but no, he, he, he has like a protruding bone. That's a, co- out a, of his, a compound fracture. He has a compound fracture on his knee. And then his dad's like, "Will you faggot stop making so fucking much noise?" Flings the skateboard. Will you faggot, stop making so no, no much fucking much noise! Yeah. yeah anyway, so and he hits, he throws, he flings the skateboard at him. It lands on his fracture. And it's like, oh, oh, Jesus, Dad, what the fuck? He's like. <laughs> And the neighbors are complaining. it's like, hey, I got a kid over here. Stop making so much noise. Oh, like, that oh, kid. oh, God. Oh, somebody get him a dog. He's like, no, not a dog. And then Gord starts licking the compound fracture. Oh. <laughs> and his dad hits him. <laughs> and we got to talk about Andy, the neighborhood kid. His only joke is that he grievously injures himself anytime he's on screen.
0: But there is a there is actually a pretty... There's a payoff to that joke at the very end of the movie. Uh, We're I mean, not going to spoil I, it. I think it reaches its
1: natural conclusion at that yeah. point. Yeah.
0: There's a love
1: interest <laughs> named Betty. She's not you, Barrymore. She's a parry peri- Yeah, no. That would have been too obvious. She, she's a paraplegic, and uh, she likes rockets and creamers. And she, the only thing she ever wants to do is give Gordy a blowjob. <laughs> Gordy is the name of Tom Green's character, by the way he's not he doesn't play Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> Freddy's his brother. We'll talk about that in a second. Um and I love it. It's almost like the movie's making a joke where like in most films like the guy is the more sexually aggressive one, but she's like the the opposite. She's always trying to get him get in his pants. Yeah. And I wonder if Go- I wonder if Tom Green was like trying to say something with that cuz she's such a it's such a weird relationship. And then like uh the best part well If you're wondering why it's even called Freddy Got Fingered, you don't find out until, like, 45 minutes to an hour into the movie, where it's like, basically, Gord's dad doesn't like Gord. He tried to get him a job at a cheese sandwich factory in L.A., because Gord wants to be an animator, but he has to get a job first. And he quits his job. He moves back home. (laughs) His dad's angry as hell as him. And, um, eventually... uh,
2: (laughs) can't handle the complexities of making a cheese sandwich.
1: So now he's back home. And uh, yeah, I think it culminates where it's like, Gord is like, he makes a piano with all these pulleys attached to his hands. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> with sausages tied to the end of them. Tell me when you like some sausage. Tell me when you like some sausages. Sausages. Oh look, honey. Our genius son is made up of a system where he can make his stupid drawings and eat sausages. I'm being creative. Uh, you
3: have to give Tom
2: Green some credit. Like, no one in the history of mankind has thought of that.
1: No, they haven't. Have they? No. Like, And you gotta give credit to Rip Torn, because playing Gord's dad, he is just, I I feel like he's just having the time of his life in this role. It doesn't look like he wants to die like some of the other people in the cast.
0: Yeah, we said this in our very first episode ever when we briefly discussed Freddy Got Fingered, but it feels like Rip Torn, uh, whenever the camera would stop rolling, Rip Torn would just be laughing his ass off all the time Yeah, after every take.
1: But anyways, after like after the sausage incident, uh, Gord's dad destroys his skateboarding ramp with his car, and then they go into family therapy, and it's it's <laughs> here where Gord inexplicably accuses his dad of molesting his brother. The, hence why it's called. <laughs> why it's called? He, if, he, yeah, he touches my little brother Freddie. He, he fingers him, and then he's like, "What the hell are you talking about, Gord? Whatever insanity I have to put up with." <laughs> it's like, First of all, Mr. Brody, this is a very serious infraction, and we're gonna have to talk about this. And then Gore grabs his statue of Freud. He's like, "You hear that, Dad? Now you're gonna pay." He's a molester. He's, He's a, a child a molester. molester.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gore. I'm like, oh, there's so many edits. That mistakes. that is how you end a scene. That is, yeah, you better run, you liar. <laughs> and then, uh, Freddy Who is played by that dude from American Pie from American Pie, yeah Uh, gets thrown in a home for abu- Psychologically and physically abused children <laughs> All the <laughs> creepy music as he run around Yeah He's like the oldest one there It's so, it's so, I feel bad, you know, for Freddy Because his dumb nuts brother Gets him institutionalized And ruins his entire livelihood because of a stupid allegation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Can we talk about
1: zebras in America?
0: <laughs> yeah. A.K.A. the best the best show that was never on Adult Swim. I feel like if Adult Swim wanted to pick up a show like that, they'd get it instantly. Well, I
1: think that's what I like about this movie is that it feels very indicative of, like, stuff I love on Adult Swim. It's just so... It's, it's like Tim and Eric and stuff like that where it's just so chock full of anti-humor and irony that I almost feel like this movie was a little bit ahead of its time. Like, if it came out, like, ten years later, people might get the joke. And I'm actually thankful it has, like, it's kind of gained a resurgence in popularity. Especially after that one guy uh, got a huge library fine for not returning his copy of Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> And Tom Green actually paid the fine off because he just saw it in his newsfeed and was like, oh, people are talking about my movie again. Yeah. That's odd. And if you look at the letterbox, I I don't know. I know Cody and I use letterbox, but like the the ratings of Freddy Got Fingered is so divisive all across the board. Every single like box is just like almost equal. It's weird.
0: I've never seen anybody. And isn't it interesting how every review about that movie is both correct and incorrect at the same time? Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I, I think i don't I've... So, When I first saw Kratka it was back in high school where I was going by the book and watching either, like, the best movies ever made that you gotta see, or the worst movies that you see, and, uh, when I landed on Fred, not only did I, was I laughing hysterically at this movie, I wanted to watch it because I was so surprised by it. I was like, alright, here we go, we're gonna watch some dumb, obnoxious comedy, and, the whole movie is set up to like intentionally out the audience by just exa- overly exaggerating every fucking
1: thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. And
2: I love it for the same reasons you guys do. <laughs> yeah. But
1: now it feels like a parody of that kind of genre. With do like, you
0: do Do you think Freddy Got Fingered is? Uh, do you think the room is worse than Freddy Got Fingered? On uh, technical level, yes,
1: it is worse. It it, it is made uh, less competently than Freddy Got Finger*. Freddy Got Finger* was an actual like release by a studio.
0: Except, wh- how the hell did one shot get into the movie that's not color graded yeah, with the I rest of the know. scene?
1: That's that's very questionable. I've never seen yeah, that.
2: Yeah, I know that too.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: It looks like a trailer shot. Like it, like you know how when you see like trailer shots that aren't really like color graded properly from like the. 80s or 90s
1: yeah yeah it's like that it was really strange yeah um yeah so yeah okay that's the end of freddy got figured (laughs) um (laughs) if you don't like it you can put the cheese in your (laughs) bum.
0: okay so Brandon, do you have do you wish to talk about any guilty pleasure movies tonight?
3: I think of I think if I had to think of a guilty pleasure movie, I would think of some Adam Sandler movies that I've seen that I know people dislike strongly, but I have for whatever reason seem to enjoy it. An example for me would be um, Jack and Jill. Yeah. Which for whatever reason I enjoyed enough to see twice in theaters, even though a lot of people hated it.
0: Yeah, Jack and I can't say shit about Jack and Jill, so you're gonna have to do most of the talking because I I need to watch it. I've seen it. Oh. With
3: this. So this movie, Adam Sandler plays his two both siblings of himself. So he plays himself, his own character, but he also plays the role of his sister
0: who comes Jill. to visit. Yeah. He's a dude named Jack and his sister, Jill.
3: Yes, essentially. And it's kind of about them trying to get along for Jack's kid there and including Jill in their lives. And you also have Al Pacino who essentially comes in. (laughs) Al Pacino acting as, I believe acting as himself.
1: Yeah, an exaggerated version of himself.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. And he falls in love with Jill at one point, so he becomes obsessed with Jill at one point. Yeah. And sort of becomes a weird side storyline there. And it I don't know why, this this was probably way back when, but for whatever reason, I enjoyed it way back when. I don't know if I would, I don't know how I would feel about it now, but back then, I saw I want a friend of mine wanted to see it again, so I'm like, eh, I enjoyed it enough, I'm going to go see it a second time. Still enjoyed it, so.
0: Yeah. Now, don't mean to uh, shit on your experience, Brandon, but wasn't that... <laughs> isn't it like the war, one of the worst movies of the worst rated movie of 2011?
2: It was considered it was one of the worst, worst rated, for sure. I think it was the worst rated movie. Of two, not only 2011, might be of like the all decade the, or all time. Yeah. 2010s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the,
0: and the decade was just getting started. That's yeah. some honestly, accomplishment.
2: Honestly, if his own, like if, if he, if he gets something out of it, then that's totally fair because yeah. I think we almost have to like, do another, so to speak, podcast talking specifically just about Happy Madison Productions. Okay,
0: Brian, you can come back for that.
2: Yeah, Because, like. yeah, I can share like, I mean, Little Nicky is
1: a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, with someone with a kid, Big Daddy is probably my biggest guilty pleasure for But, them.
0: but the, those movies, there was a time when Happy Madison movies and Adam Sandler comedies were legitimately heartfelt and good to watch. Like, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison... Big Daddy, Man-formers. and then somewhere the Wedding Singer, and somewhere they fell off the map.
1: I think they just got too complacent with the formula, and the comedy kept feeling the same. And then humor just kind of changed over time, and they just never evolved. And then Adam, yeah, yeah. happened. and then
0: Adam Sandler started playing the same guy in every movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, got very very
2: repetitive. Okay, so Adam's yeah, like, it's funny you know, like the exact same haircut most of his movies, he just looks like the same guy, just in different stories. Yeah. And he, like, talks to me too. I, I even noticed, like, those, those subtle things with Adam Sandler, where he says, like, hey, how you doing? The exact same way in all of his movies. You can almost make, like, a, a, a reel. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. Same like Sylvester Stallone. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's, how's it going? How's it going? Oh! <laughs>
2: But I think I think oh, no, that's a good choice, just Brandon, just on the grand scheme of things. And Adam Sandler, it, he's definitely a guilty
3: pleasure. He he tickles me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's certainly.
1: Yeah.
3: I think I think a lot of a lot of his movies would be considered a guilty pleasure, honestly. Yeah, cause
0: um, yeah. I know for my dad uh, hates Adam Sandler with a passion.
2: My
0: dad too. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But anyways, my dad
1: just thinks he's overplayed, but anyways. I show
2: I tried showing my dad uh uh Billy Madison, which is like one of my favorite comedies of all time, and he just did not
0: get it. Wow. Yeah. You showed me uh fifth, uh Billy Madison right after we watched uh, Tommy Boy with Chris Farley this past summer. And I like Tommy boy slightly more, but yeah, Billy I Madison, agree.
1: Billy Madison's fun.
0: Billy Madison has appeal. I can, it's not a very creative premise. Like I think the premise is idiotic, but I can understand why it's such an iconic movie for so many people. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's Billy Madison is the adult. Every kid wishes they could grow up to be when they're, t- when they're, when they're five. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, so, uh, my, the movie I want to talk about tonight was also discussed extremely briefly in our very first, so to speak, episode ever. Uh, Armageddon. This movie... Came- this is a, one of my top five guilty
2: pleasures of all time. Oh! Oh, okay. But I've only seen okay. it once.
0: Um, you gentlemen, I have proposed that we uh, get our buddies in the like little film group that we've made in quarantine it's called the Corona Avengers, by the way, um, we should get them together and do a riff track of Armageddon because I have watched this movie through the lens of, uh, just to take it seriously. And I've laughed at it had a good time, but I've never really watched it with a group of friends to try and like understand how bad it is and how ridiculous it is. Cause let me to get to set the stage. The year is 1998. Hollywood cranks out two movies about the same thing that year. I can't remember which came first, honestly, but the other movie that is critically and artistically better is Deep Impact. Deep Impact's premise is a comet is on a collision course with Earth, and if it crashes into Earth, all life on on the planet dies in an extinction-level event. Uh, The premise is Taleone Leone is this reporter that Investigates what she thinks is a government scandal that, go- but it works its way up to the president himself, played by Morgan Freeman. And the president is for because this she is such a nosy, like investigative reporter. She actually stumbles upon a classified uh, document that. Proves the end of the world is coming because of a comet. So the government's hand is forced to tell the world a comet's coming and we have to prepare. So the whole movie is about how humanity on the planet would react if a comet was coming. Now the movie does deal with the fact that astronauts are going up to stop the comet with explosives and all that jazz. But that's honestly almost a subplot. The real meat of the story is the characters on Earth, how they process the disaster and uh bec- it's not a hardcore action film but uh, i can't say too much more about it without giving away what ha- the ending so um but well, actually
2: start, start in, actually just a little correction i remember in
0: film school we were taught this that uh, in 1998 there was actually three yes films. i was going to mention that um the third one yeah. was a canadian film called last night that had yeah. a, a premise closer to deep impact than armageddon well the reason i yeah. want to bring up those two movies is the year is 1998, but three movies come out about the same thing: Armageddon, Deep Impact, and Last Night. All three movies deal with an end-of-the-world situation. Uh, I believe what was the crisis in Last Night? Have, I, have either of you seen Last Night? Mm, no.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think it was. I think it was similar. It was an asteroid hitting Earth, but that movie is just more about people accepting their demise and it's just sort of a slice of life.
0: on It's a, it's like, how would the city of Toronto in the late nineties react if an asteroid was going to destroy the world? Yeah. So that sounds really interesting to me. Armageddon is not told from the perspective of the general population. The premise is asteroid, the size of Texas is hurtling towards earth And the government, and it's going to hit Earth in less than three weeks. So you think that the whole world is screwed because we have no technology to go stop it. No, we have military-grade space shuttles armed with, you know, tank-armored lunar rovers that are impenetrable to any material in the galaxy. So they can fly to the asteroid and drill a hole so that we can drop a nuke in there and blow it up. But... Uh, who's going to run the machine? Should we get astronauts? Or should we get oil drillers? Uh, we're going to get oil drillers for some reason. S- and this premise is so ludicrous that during the production, Ben Affleck himself, who was the uh, supporting character, asked director Michael Bay... Hey, Michael, wouldn't it be easier to just train astronauts to be oil drillers than it would be to train oil drillers to be astronauts? But the whole premise is we have such a ludicrous, serious scenario. The literal Armageddon is on its way, and the only people who can stop it are rednecks on an oil oil rig in the middle of the ocean. So it lends itself to a lot of jokes, and it's as far as movies that deal with disasters, it's very lighthearted. Like I'll give you an example. The first time I ever saw Armageddon was, I honestly came on a little after it started and I saw the scene where this random dude is just dicking around New York city and his little pug, uh, attacks this, uh, Hawaii, this Polynesian dude's, uh, dinosaur Godzilla toys and the, the guy... They're yelling at each other. And then, and then a freaking meteorite just comes and destroys the whole block. And this cabbie is laughing and joking with the two uh, Chinese tourists who are in his cab. And he's like saying... What happened over there? Oh, it's New York. Anything could happen. You know, a terrorist bombing, dead bodies. Somebody shot, got stabbed. It's probably payday, too. Somebody probably jumped to get that paycheck. I want to go shopping. Me, too. (laughs) I'm like, is this a comedy? And then the scene shifts out of nowhere to Pentagon officials screaming, Asteroids are breaching the atmosphere. And then New York gets gets torn a new asshole by a meteor shower. And there's actually a really eerie shot of the trade centers on fire. This was too this was God. this was three years before 9-11 folks and uh, obviously obviously no when they aired on cable t- on major movie networks they cut that scene out for obvious reasons but uh yeah but yeah so basically asteroid has come and by the way i i i talked about the abrupt shift in tone because get used to that this movie's tone will shift so through the first half of the movie the movie's tone will shift so so like uh, so crazily like it'll go from comedy scene to dramatic scene to horrifying disaster scene in like the span of three minutes uh, Cody you were, you gave a great example of how like this works um I gave the new the, the beginning where it's like you feel like it's a comedy but it turns into a disaster instantly. And then there's another scene very similar where Will Patton's character, like, he, they're, yeah, yeah, I know. What's the scene, Cody? It's literally three scenes crammed into three minutes.
2: So, basically, you know, basically yeah, Will Patton's character, he goes to visit his, uh, I guess, ex-wife. He just wants to see his son. And, uh, you know, the wife's saying, you shouldn't be around him. You know, like, they're going through a divorce, like, confuses our, our son when you're going. He's like, I know, I just wanted to kind of... It was like a touching thing of just giving uh this little uh toy space shuttle to his son, you know, it's just you know, he's he's about to go off to space. He just wants to kinda of do one last ride, the best way he can. Hard cuts to strip joint, pulsating aerosmith like <laughs> a mock shot of like a bunch of strippers and like the guys are all just like hanging out there for the last night. Steve is a lot of fun in He right? is.
1: He really is.
2: Yeah. Rock hound.
0: Yeah, rock on <laughs> He has the best lines in the movie, hands down.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, the next, next watch, movie, can we have a stopwatch for this? Because I want to know if there's a single shot in this movie that lasts more than five seconds.
0: Yeah, we will. Lyle's because our ti- Lyle's movie, our timekeeper, he'll do that.
2: This movie is cut so fast. It's almost like watching a two and a half hour trailer.
0: You sound your review just now sounds almost identical to uh, uh, Gene Siskel's review of Armageddon, and by that time, like Gene Siskel was oh. dying of cancer, so he was exhausted while after watching it. Oh, geez. Yeah, poor guy. Oh. Um, no, serious. Ser- on a serious note, Gene Siskel did review Armageddon while he was sick, so yeah, that probably. It's like-
2: the first half of this movie is, like, it, it does it does stick to kind of lightheartedness, which is kind of fun. Like, you know, their training montage and their medical, you know, all that stuff was fun. But the second they get on the asteroid, it just becomes so relentlessly, like, hilarious and just like, oh, my God. How, how much worse can this mission possibly get? Like, one yeah. thing after the other goes wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that's and, why...
2: And, and, there, there's even a line earlier on in the movie that someone from NASA was, like, Uh, Here at NASA, we don't take chances. We double up on everything. I'm like, (laughs) bullshit.
0: Yeah.
1: One thing I like about the movie is that um, I I tend to call out bullshit in a movie pretty easily. Um, And every time I called it out while I was watching it, the movie would address the problem I called out on not even like a second later.
0: Yeah, like the scene where Billy Bob Thornton, you gotta tell the story, but... I, I the, the first time I showed Lyle Armageddon The scene where Billy Bob Thornton And the head general on this mission The military advisor played by Keith David They're sitting in a conference room At NASA talking about How to blow up the asteroid from the inside And then Billy Bob Thornton The director of NASA says We drill, we bring in the world's Best, keep, d- best deep core driller And then you just went ballistic Lyle Yeah basically Cause you're like your exact reaction was only you can duplicate it, but it's like they're gonna get oil drillers on an asteroid? What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But to the movie's credit, the scene where Grace played by Liv Tyler is saying goodbye to her father, played by uh, Bruce Willis. For what it is, it's an effective scene. Oh yeah. Like I find it an effective Little tear jerker scene For what You know This movie is absolutely ludicrous I mean When you think about the logic Like They're saying goodbye to each other But they have like Less than five minutes Before the fucking world Is about to literally Get destroyed Yeah The scene itself In context Is is handled kind of well Yeah I don't
0: know Well uh, Production uh, Trivia Bruce Willis uh, Had real photographs Of his real daughters Like behind the cameras To look at So he could cry In that scene
2: Oh wow Yeah
0: Thing. Yeah, but anyways, uh, so that's Armageddon. I can't wait to just uh, riff it all with you. And I still, I'm stealing this joke from Brandon. But uh, what was that joke you told uh, when I said, "Hey guys, let's wa- let's let's riff Armageddon"? When
3: it comes to that, I don't want to miss a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So much Aerosmith in the Armageddon. Oh, that's true. No, seriously, there are like four. Aeros- Aerosmith songs in the whole movie.
1: Uh,
2: I can, name all, four. can
0: well, I name all four. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Big time. No, that emotion.
0: that's Bon Jovi. That's Bon Jovi. That's not Aerosmith. Uh,
2: no, it's, it, it's Aerosmith. It is. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Because on the soundtrack, it says the song is by Bon Jovi. Maybe it was one of those I... issues where the artist, like, I don't know. But yeah, moving on. to are the other
1: three, Cody? Uh, sweet, sweet emotion.
2: Yep. Uh, uh, what kind of love are you on? And uh, I don't want to miss a thing.
0: Also, they their cover of Come Together was in the movie.
2: Oh, okay. Sorry, I retract everything I said. It's that that's the song I was thinking of. It wasn't Big Time. You are right. Yeah, it, it bon Big
0: Jovi. Time was Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah, Come Together. Their
2: cover of the Beatles. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Sorry. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, great. Yeah, my... right. Uh, Cody, what's a guilty pleasure movie of yours?
2: Oh, God. Well, I had, like, literally on my letterbox, like, a list of, like, guilty pleasure movies, and I had, like, a hundred on there. So, I had to... This was a tough one, guys. This was pretty tough. Mm-hmm. But I am deciding to go with the 1989 film Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, the just a quick synopsis on this. So, uh, these two guys, by the names of Larry and uh, Richard played by Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman. There are these two schmucks that work at this insurance company, and as they're, like, going through, like, their work, they crack this, like, $2 million error where somebody was, like, committing fraud in their company. So they go to report it to their boss, Bernie, Bernie Lomax, Played by uh, Terry Kaiser, I think. Okay. And he's like this womanizer kind of asshole, you know, typical boss. You know, they're kind of intimidated by him, but they just want to, you know, impress him. So you think at first, like uh, Bernie's pretty impressed by like the the thing that they cracked in in their work. So Bernie decides to reward them by inviting him over to his house for the weekend. That's on the beach, and. Like, it's a, apparently a, an amazing beach spot where there's, like, tons of women. There's tons of, you know, it's right on the beach. It's beautiful. And uh, the guys are totally ecstatic. Oh, my God, we're moving up in the company. This is great. But then, uh, big surprise, Bernie's the one who's been embezzling the money.
0: <laughs> oh.
2: So he, he, just, he, gets, he gets in touch with people that he used to work with before in, like, the mafia to try to execute these two guys. Wow. And they try to frame them to make it look like a murder-suicide job. <laughs> but the head of the mafia decides uh, he hires one of his his hitmen, and he says to the hitman, "Forget about killing those two guys. I want you to kill Bernie instead, because this man has been sleeping with my girlfriend for the past, you know, while and I it's see. true he has been." So the hitman goes to Bernie before the two guys before our two main characters show up to the island. Kills Bernie with like this drug and he has like this like permanent smile on his face and he puts the like, glasses on him <laughs> and then the two guys show up and they discover yeah our boss is dead <laughs> and the whole joke of the movie is nobody realizes that he's dead except for our main character <laughs> so they pretend that he's alive the whole movie so that they don't get blamed yeah this it's, has been per- this pr- it's the stupidest fucking premise, but I think I've seen this movie far many times than I should because it just—it's so amusing. Like the—it's so lame. Everything about it is so lame. It's so parodied too in pop culture. It's like one of those movies where you're like, it, it feels like a fake movie, but it's like real. And there's so much ADR thrown in the movie. Like oh. man, I don't know how this movie was made, where it's like. Like there's so much obvious ADR, but then there's like ADR thrown in just to kind of make it have like a cheap laugh, which also just makes me chuckle. Yeah. And yeah, it just it just rides the line of being very cartoony, and I don't know, it's 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 a
0: gem. Uh, have
1: you guys seen this? I, don't, I, I I have seen it.
0: I need to. I feel like this is a movie that I have to watch before I die. <laughs>
1: it is. Yeah, before
0: you turn to Bernie. <laughs> before we come birdie um i know that the 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 concept of this movie has been parodied all over the place like the simpsons yeah. did their own take on it uh mm-hmm. and even in like real life scenarios people have proposed hey if this guy dies suddenly why don't we just prop him up and act like he's not dead
2: yeah i remember in, uh i remember in friends they were saying that uh rachel green uh Jeff character he claims that her favorite movie is tickert sleep but her actual favorite weekend at Bernie's. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's even a parody of it in uh, Rick and Morty, with they uh have the old lady and her cats. Yeah,
1: yeah. and he falls in love with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, don't bother with weekend at Bernie's too. Yeah, I've heard nothing but bad things about that one. What?
0: How do they repeat the same premise again? they cast
2: a voodoo spell on bernie's dead body where when it starts to hear music the body starts dancing by itself are
3: you fucking serious
2: towards towards sinking uh, sorry sunken treasure that he buried in the ocean in the
1: caribbean okay (laughs) what now that feels
0: fake jesus uh the siege i feel like the cgi on that would be horrible
2: Oh, no, no, like, I mean, to, to Terry uh, Kaiser's credit, like, he does keep his body still and, like, very, like, emotionless most of uh, the first movie. But the second movie, he's just kind of standing up and kind of, you know, walking kind of, like, silly almost.
0: Oh, okay. But, yeah. I don't
2: know. There's some people that actually catch clips of him, like, blinking or, like, making flinches. But, I don't know, I, I've seen this movie a lot, and I kind of don't...
0: Yeah.
2: But, yeah. But, yeah <laughs> Intriguing. I'm, I'm guilty to say that weekend at Bernies is a pleasure of mine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is starting to sound like an AA meeting. It's like my name's Cody McDonald and weekend at Bernies <laughs> is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi. I,
2: it's like. My name's Cody. Hi, Cody.
1: Hi, Cody.
0: Hi,
2: Cody. I have a very bad addiction. Hi, Cody. To- <laughs> on repeat. <laughs>
0: Okay, so Lyle, what guilty pleasure do you con? What music do you con? What or what musical group or band mm. do you consider a guilty pleasure? Well,
1: hi, the, my name's the, the, Lyle. Hi, my name's Lyle. Hello,
0: Lyle.
1: Hi, Lyle. Hi. Hello. We've been talking for an hour. It's nice to say hi. <laughs> um, well, these guys, you know, what these guys taught me. They taught me that somebody once told me that the world is gonna roam me. And they ain't they ain't the sharpest tool in the shed.
2: Wow, wow.
1: How do you how do you say somebody and not swing a door open
0: really fast? <laughs> Some yeah. Do you know how often like um in our lifestyle outside of this podcast, I get home from work later in the night than Lyle does, and occasionally I have done that where I will uh, whip out my phone and blast an All Star. By Lyle's guilty pleasure band. Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth. I will blast some and bang the door open with the song. Buddy Wants once told me and I'll like pose like Shrek. Um, yeah. But with well, uh, I'll be in my room. I won't even see it. You've noticed it a couple times. It's, it's, I have fun with it. But uh, Lyle, can you do our audience a favor and clarify a misconception about uh, that movie's affiliation with Shrek? Okay, yeah, I guess yeah, Evan keeps bringing this up, but
1: uh, "All Star" is not a song that was intended to be written for Shrek. It wasn't even intended to be in that particular opening. It was originally written for the uh, kind of cringy, kind of funny, I guess, uh, superhero comedy "Mystery Men," starring Ben Stiller. Mm. Uh, that's what the song. And was William H for.
0: Macy and Jeffrey Rush, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, and whatever,
1: uh, and yeah, which is kind of weird because the song has nothing to do with the movie that one in particular yeah but anyways uh yeah talking about smash mouth what a, what a what a thing of the 2000s that was it's uh it, it was a late 90s like ska punk band that kind of graduated into like kind of pop rock and like soft stuff and you know i know a lot of people it, it, it's essentially become a meme now but because they're they're kind of only known for uh, All Star, but for a, for a band that's known for that song, they had a couple of hits actually. I wouldn't go so far as to call them like a one hit wonder like most bands of that era, because they had other songs like Walking on the Sun and Come On, Come On, and Hang On, and uh, what's uh, what's another? One? Uh, then, and then the morning comes. And the morning comes. That's a good one. They also they're also almost like a cover band because they've done a lot of covers throughout their career. They did like. Can't get enough of you baby. Uh I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And a really fucking horrible cover of Under Pressure.
0: Oh god, for uh the movie Zoom.
1: Yeah, if you want to listen to Smash Mouth for 90 minutes straight, watch Zoom Academy of Superheroes. They even titled Smash Mouth as like music by Smash Mouth. They use at least 10 different <laughs> songs by Smash Mouth. That's insane. There's even yeah. a song on the soundtrack called "So Insane," and it's like, yeah, it's so insane that you use Smash Mouth this much. Yeah. And that's the thing about them is that they were everywhere in the two thousands. Like, if you were like a kid on the Disney Channel and you watched Shrek, they they had a cameo on Kim Possible, They had a cameo in Rat Race. They had um, they had a fucking a lot of stuff played in Z- in Zoom Academy of Superheroes. And uh, they were in the Cat in a Hat movie. Even they were no.
0: Hang on was the song in the big action scene. Yeah, and they also that. do a pair,
1: they do a cover of a Beatles song, uh, Getting Better. Oh God. Can't Yeah, it's getting better. The lead singer isn't very, he's not a very emotive singer, <laughs> Steve Harwell. Um, yeah, I feel kind of bad. I actually just <laughs> recently found this out, but in like 2001, his a uh, six year old his six month year old son. Not six months year old. His six month, his son of six months actually uh, passed away of leukemia in two thousand. Oh, that sucks. And that was like during mm. the height of their popularity, mm-hmm. so that was too bad. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, if you want to like, I I wouldn't say Smash Mouth is like a one trick pony. Like, if you want to like get into their earlier stuff, they actually had a pretty good catalog. Fushu Mang is actually a pretty good album. Their debut. Um. Yeah, what else can I say? Like, I just feel like they kind of burnt themselves out after a while because they were just everywhere. I think it's one of the few bands where like their overexposure was like their biggest uh, uh, weakness. I think I know why. You know why? I have a, I have a buddy
2: of mine who describes the early two thousands as that small era where the nineties was dying, <laughs> and it was sort of an operation that. We were out of that era, but we worked entirely out of like the lifestyle. Yeah. And the sound of in the Smash Mode feels like it's trying to be appealing to like the cool kids like the kids back in the early two thousands. But it had like a very spin doctors kind of vibe to it. Like like stuff that really does stream the nineties, like fun rock and roll. And because it was everywhere, and by the time it was PhD 2004
0: 2005
1: came around where the world kind of changed a little bit more. They just died out. Yeah. Well, I
0: just kind of a, Every decade kind of goes through that phase where like the the start of the decade doesn't quite get over the previous decade. And we're in that now with the early 2020s. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I just, there there's a lot of memes about Smash Mouth now. I think even the band themselves are kind of surprised when they're they're hit uh all-star got like a resurgence all because of like the shrek memes that were popping up everywhere like a few years ago and they just kind of like took it in stride i guess i mean what are you gonna do and then there's like they made like twitter posts like fuck you shrek we were gonna be the next beatles
0: is that a real post from smash mouth yeah oh it is wow
1: and then um yeah, Steve Harwell was like constantly getting he he always gets drunk on like live shows, and there's one instance where like a fan threw like an entire loaf of bread at him, <laughs> during his show, and then, and then there's all these comments on yo, this band is breaded, or something <laughs> like that. Like yeah, they just keep posting bread in all the comments. Yeah, yeah, and then there's like videos where they'll take the entire song, and just mix it out so it's just Steve Harwell's voice to kind of show how limited he is as a singer so yeah i know smash mouth isn't a great band but i do like them a lot and they're i i feel kind of like nostalgic when i listen to them i feel like i feel like 10 years younger when i like listen to one of their records so yeah Yeah. a lot a lot like a lot of other ska bands it's just like one of those things that kind of perks me up Mm. and that's why i appreciate about them so much yeah and that's all i have to say about that Uh, that's why smash mouth is my guilty pleasure band
0: okay (laughs) <laughs> we're not done yet. I, 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 we're clapping because at the, after in AA, every time they'd give a speech, like, they do they clap for everyone. Yeah. Hey,
2: where's the coffee donut?
0: Uh, okay. They made the donuts. Yeah, Brandon. What mu- what music do you like that you're somewhat ashamed to admit that you like?
3: So. I'm not necessarily ashamed about this one because I had a different idea earlier, but I kind of thought about it a little more. And one of the things that I find is a guilty pleasure of mine is listening to different cover versions of songs that come up on Idol or on The Voice. Okay. I find that a lot of people complain about those covers saying, they didn't do those covers as well as the original. They shouldn't have taken on those songs. But what I like seeing with these songs is that a lot of these guys, at least the really good artists on these shows, take the songs and make completely their own. And I like seeing what they do with it, whether it's switching the overall genre of how they perform it or just adding their own mix to it. Yeah. So for example... I look at one Idol contestant, uh, Blake Lewis. He performed um, the Bon Jovi song "You Give Love a Bad Name," and Blake was known for doing a lot of beatboxing in his performances. Oh, okay. And in this version of "You Give Love a Bad Name," between the choruses, he throws a full beatboxing section in there, and kind of almost does a whole beatbox um, section there and kind of carries the, carries it to the next chorus. And really that was what started the, the motivation for our feature artists to kind of change up songs, make it their own, and really make the show more exciting for the viewers to see those songs.
0: Okay, uh, I can kind of understand where you're coming from with the, on the issue of covers because there are some people that, as a rule of thumb, despise covers and will actually like curse a cover before they even hear it of a song. Um, it kind of depends on who's covering it, what the context of the cover is, but I gotta tell you, throughout history, there are there have been some amazing covers, and I feel like we're gonna have to dedicate a whole other, so to speak, episode to talk about covers. Because if we get into a conversation about covers, we're going to be here for another hour and a half easily. Um, so, for okay. the sake of time, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you, you sound like you're talking about co- covers in the context of like, you know, the view, uh, the Voice, or American Idol, or stuff like that. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about kids' bop mm-hmm. because that that could be a whole that's other episode too. You know, that's a good example of guilty pleasures, right there. Yeah. That could be a good example. I haven't listened to a lot of those covers honestly. Is, uh, that, is that the thing Kids Bop? Oh t- Probably. Yeah, no, Cody, um I remember seeing commercials for it back in back when when we were in like grade seven or eight, I would see commercials for kids kids minibop on T V. It's like buy the newest album and they would base kids would cover every big song from any given genre at the time i remember the, the commercial showed this kid singing wake me up when september ends with a big smile on his face and i'm like did anyone tell that kid that that's not a, a happy song at all it's not an optimistic <laughs> song at all did did anyone tell this kid what that song is it's, about it's very personal to the singer yeah. and songwriter yeah billy joel armstrong of a few years. yeah No, Billy Joel Armstrong of Green Day has actually asked the fans to stop making the joke, to stop sending him messages to wake him up on October 1st because that song has nothing to do with the ending of September. It's about his father. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh. But anyways, yeah. um, Yeah, let's... I say we dedicate a whole other episode at some point to covers because... uh, Like
1: bad cover songs?
0: Good and bad. Because... Um, one of the best covers I've ever heard is, uh, obviously...
1: also okay, well, to the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Give us some suspense. I, I do
2: like, I do like Brand's choices where it's sort of like, he likes the, the, the grand scheme of something. You yeah. You know? Like, That's we cool. were trying to pick individual things, but I kind of like how you branched off and actually, like, comment, like, a uh, yeah, like a huge chunk of something that, like, gives you those yeah. guilty vibes. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you almost
0: you almost have like endless opportunities to talk about specific things within it. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's, sure. it's it's a cool specul it's cool speculation. Uh, and by the way, just to comment on what you said about you know the guy who sang "You Give Love a Bad Name" with beatboxing, that's an interesting choice, and I'm kind of curious to look that up because uh, "You Give Love a Bad Name," the original song by Bon Jovi, is not a drum heavy song at all. Like, drums are the yeah, last... Yeah, what's
3: interesting is, is yeah. Bon Jovi mentored that week, and he oh. was doing that cover for, for him. So with bon, when Bon Jovi was doing it, he was mentioning in the uh, the rehearsal package how he wasn't sure how this is going to turn out, and that you can see he's really rolling the dice on this whole thing
0: here. Okay. Uh, okay, so... Uh, I actually had to pick, uh, the one I initially wanted to do is what is Cody's pick, but, um, uh, I'll chime in with Cody's pick whenever uh, I can. So for my pick, um, uh, I was torn between two, uh, see, I probably like pop songs the most Brandon and I out of this, this quartet tonight, we probably enjoy pop music more so than Lyle and Cody, which is fine. But um, when it comes to uh, pop artists, there's actually a small handful of them that I actually think are good. So uh, one of those, um, which is actually which actually gets a ton of flack for one song that they did, is Carly Rae Jepsen. Now, when I was thinking of female pop artists that I consider a guilty pleasure, it would Katy Perry came so close to being who I was going to talk about, but then I thought, no, I've gotten more into Carly Rae Jepsen's music more so than Katy Perry's uh katie perry i've kind of outgrown katie perry's music so i'm going to talk about carly ray Jepsen. carly ray jepson is a canadian uh pop singer who's roughly our age she may be a, she's a couple years older than us i think anyway she her big breakout song was the soundtrack to everyone's 2012 a little earworm called call me maybe i do not like this song at all i'm with everyone who hates this song. I think it's bad. It's cringy. I can't stand hearing it again. In fact, um, I remember when I, this, this song played was on the radio like five times a day when I was in film school and it got so, it was one of those songs that once it's in your head, you hate it, but then you start humming it and singing it casually. I remember singing this in the elevator as I was leaving class one day and my buddy Colin in the elevator was me. I started humming the bridge before you came into my life. I missed you so bad. He's like, stop like right now yeah i guess he had a i guess he had a job to go to later that day where just he he couldn't stand to hear that song again but anyway so that song is the reason is a, plays a big part of the reason why people hate this artist and give her a lot of flack but i was working at HMV in the spring of 2015 when the album emo chun came out and I actually listened to that album today before recording this show. So it actually brought back a lot of memories from 2015. Uh, I was, I had a lot of energy just in my soul that year. My creative ambitions were really flowing and uh, I was uh, dating was becoming more comfortable for me that year, more so than other years before. So I was in relatively good spirits. And also uh, I when I took a week long vacation to LA, uh, that later that year, which was one of the most enjoyable experiences of my entire life, and there is a song about LA on that album. So basically, um, this even with you know, even with you know, Carly Rae Jepsen's career expanding, she's still not the most liked artist ever. In fact, um, I remember seeing someone, uh, a friend of mine. Went to a concert of hers in Toronto, and he brought a uh, he bought a shirt that said "Boy Problems" on it because "Boy Problems" is the name of one of the songs. And uh, I was thinking to myself, yeah, people are gonna look at you and think, oh, look, there, you've got the uh, I'm a male feminist starter pack, you know, which is cool. I mean, I am kind of a feminist myself, but yeah, no, like uh, she's she, Carly Rae Jepsen, sadly, still gets flack, but I don't know. Um,
1: She gets flack? I thought she fell off the face of the earth or something. Oh no,
0: she she came out with a new album Mm -hmm. in 2019 and the B-side of that album came out in 2020. But um, I got really into uh, Emotion, that album, in 2015. And uh, if I had to pick a favorite song uh, off that album, I actually have trouble deciding because I honestly... It's a tie between uh, L.A. Hallucinations and... um, uh, I really like you now I really like you as an earworm similar to uh, similar to call me maybe it's even got that cringy kind of beat to it uh, and the song the chorus will be burned into your head and you can't get it out uh, but I I can't help but consider this song a guilty pleasure of mine because uh, for one reason I was first exposed to it when I saw Tom Hanks make the music video where this whole song is just, the, the whole music video is Tom Hanks lip syncing Carly Rae Jepsen's song. It's so adorable. It's so funny. But yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's all I have to say. Ch- Carly Rae Jepsen is a guilty pleasure of mine. And I don't even think she's, uh, she's got a couple of really, you know, really cringy songs. But other than that, uh, she's really good. Check her out.
3: One of the few successes from Canadian Idol as well. Yes, that's true.
0: Speaking of Canadian,
1: what's your choice, Cody? Oh. Uh, speaking of
2: Canadian, uh, so... Uh,
0: hi, my name's Cody. Hi, Cody. Uh, hi, hi, Cody. Hi.
2: And uh, I'm somebody who uh,
0: never made it as a wise man. BOOM! Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out and don't come back! You are barred! Five. You knocked over your toys and this is how you remind me oh of what i really <laughs> nickelback nickelback aka the one i wanted to do but we'll let you talk
2: oh boy, we in for a fucking street with nickelback mm. um <laughs> well yeah the notoriously most divisive but also mostly hated band of all
1: time um are so, they not always.
0: Uh, not always,
1: yeah. Not in the beginning. Nope, not always. Yeah. No. What do you mean not always? I mean in the beginning I don't know. they I were, personally donate. In the beginning they were like super popular. They were all over the place in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. And then like I don't know, give it like half half a decade or maybe even ten years later and they're kinda of, like reviled by everyone online.
0: The internet really did the, the the expansion of social media and the expansion of the internet really didn't help them. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, they uh, they were basically the only. Well, to give a bit of history? Actually, uh, my introduction to like rock music was mainly through classic rock because of my parents. But when it came oh, to like stuff I wanted to actually get into myself, that was a little bit new and of the time was bands like Nickelback or Three Doors Down or Shine Down, and, you know, all the, what they're considered post-rock, but they've actually oh. called it, they've labeled it butt-rock. Post-grunge, yeah. <laughs> Post-grunge, kind of butt-rock. And thank God I got all this stuff out of the way before listening to, like, Nirvana and Pearl Jam because it, it was kind of nice to go backwards. Yeah. <laughs> was, oh, that's good. And listen to the better stuff, to yeah. run. But Nickelback, I mean, they're kind of like the Nirvana of post-grunge. They're kind of the leaders of that kind of sub-drop. There goes some. Um, yeah. Led by the everable, punchable, douchey Chad Kroger. Yeah. The ultimate Chad. <laughs> He's a guy that literally has this quote: He said, I got it. How I got into music is I studied every piece of radio rock growing up. And boy, does it show in his fucking music that yeah. song starts is just a three to four minute structured, formulaic, bridge, verse, chorus bridge, verse, force, move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a shocking thing that I actually discovered a few years ago, and I show this off to everybody, is that if you look at their last five to six albums, there's 11 tracks, and they're all forty. 40 to 42 minutes long. Oh. And the very first track off of all those albums is like a hard-kicking heavy metal song to kick off everything, and the third track of every album is always like the the pop rock kind of single that they're trying to push. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Go back and look at that. They I, have the exact same structure.
0: I I I've actually agreed with that, and I actually have I jokingly was telling a friend of mine in a party one time, Nickelback their structure, their album structure is the same. First one is hard rockin', headbanger, he- ma- bad metal cover. Uh, the third song is this preachy, virtue signaling pop song. The second song is about how he wants to sleep with someone's girlfriend, and the the se- <laughs> the, the fourth song is about getting drunk or doing drugs. The f- sixth song will be about you know some dramatic song that's on the radio again, and lather, <laughs> rinse, repeat. Do you know the, do
2: you know the bands response? So when they were asked about how come you guys go from like singing about songs about, you know, partying and also songs about world peace, it's like their literally response was, well, wouldn't you want to go out partying after you save the world?
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: So lame. But anyway, wow. they were my first concert. Oh, yeah. Same. I was, literally, I was literally out for a bike ride with my papa one day. And all of a sudden my parents drove up and found us wherever we were driving around around or riding around Windsor and they're like Cody put your bike in the trunk we're going to the we're going to the states we're going over the border to the Detroit we're seeing Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. And like 2006 and 2007 was like, you know, the fucking time you'd want to listen to Nickelback. Oh yeah. Um, so of course I was excited I go to see it and uh, yeah, they to its credit, it. It was a pretty kick ass, you know, Fireworks, you know, songs you recognize, sing loud as you can, just a whatever concert, you know. But it wasn't until high school when they released their album uh, Dark Horse. Yeah. Now, this is an album that, where it clicked with me, where I went, they're not that great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a bit annoyed by the overpopularity of this album because they released eight, and I mean eight. Eight singles off of this eleven. Track that's right, album. yeah.
0: The worst like, one.
2: Much. It was just everywhere. there yeah. were so many songs everywhere, and ironically, their best song that Nickelback has ever done is on this album. Which one is that? Burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground. Oh
0: yeah, it was so good. It actually got on the soundtrack of the second Transformers movie. I remember that. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's it's
0: a kick ass arena rock song. It is. It's, I like it. Uh it kinda it kinda reminds me of uh well the, the wh- whatever the hell the album that came out after Dark Horse in twenty eleven, there was another song that was kinda like that. Uh bottoms up is kinda like that. Uh oh but, uh,
3: this
2: means war. This
0: means war, yeah. This means war yeah, was very so similar like, to Yeah, the Here
2: and Now album. Well, actually, the very first album that actually got into them was uh, all the right reasons. Yeah. Now, like it, it was an album like at the time, you know, I'm kind of new to music, and I sort of had like this, like kind of uh, uh, naive kind of thought about the album where I'm like, hey, it's cool how they go from like a soft rock song to like a a country song to like a metal song to like a ballad song. But really looking back, it was just them branching off a little too much into the mainstream.
0: Yeah.
2: Because they used to be just a straightforward just rock band. Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: mm-hmm.
2: It isn't until they got they got the
0: acoustic guitars
2: out
0: it oh, they yeah. became a little bit more pop. Uh once on st- on off the Here Now album, this song uh When We Stand Together, it's so cringy the way they try to blend uh pop and ac- and country together. And uh, with yeah. the Yeah, 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 yeah I'm like, stop, please uh, <laughs> my,
2: my uncle My uncle has, like, the best Quote about uh, Nickelback Like, my uncle hates Nickelback with a passion he Oh, called, same, he said, same He says that they're a country band That play heavy metal music
0: Well, that would make They are from Alberta, so that explains a lot
2: Yeah, Hannah, Alberta that's Oh, they're from
0: where, where is that a suburb of Edmonton or Calgary
2: uh in Canada it's a small town okay that's uh yeah.
0: It's,
2: yeah but uh yeah like I don't know listening to Chad Kroger's voice it's like I'm not entirely bothered by it and like I listen to a lot of music but when it comes to just Nickelback it's more just like wanting to throw it on and just listen to it very passively yeah yeah where I don't have to get so deep into it. it's kind of like what Lyle was, I share the same thing that Lyle was saying about Smash Mouth, where it's almost like nostalgia at this point, because their first few albums I'll feel nostalgic about, but until Dark Horse, where that's like the part in my life where I said, okay, I'm officially sick of them, and they kind of suck. Every album that kind of came out afterwards, I would just more listen to it out of just curiosity and just more like, oh, isn't it adorable? I'm gonna listen to a Nickelback album. Yeah. But the irony is Is that their latest album Feed the Machine Might be their best album that they've ever made <laughs> Oh, seriously? <laughs> because they I find that they're Taking themselves less seriously this time around And they have the Heaviest song that they've ever
0: done Called The Betrayal Oh, I'm intrigued It's pretty fucking heavy Wow uh, It's kind of it's funny, it's called The
2: Betrayal Act 3 but wow. then their very last track, they actually have like this acoustic
0: instrumental called uh, the the Betrayal Act One. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, they actually, thought... they, ma- they actually made an album this time.
2: What's that?
0: They made they actually made an album this time. Yeah. Well, my first thought was,
2: Aw that's adorable. They're trying to be like Metallica. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I I found it. Hey, you know, like I, I know that Chad Kruger said that he's going through. He had like a big surgical uh, operation. He had, like, a cyst right in his throat. Yeah. Oh, geez. And he was. They, they were, like, debating whether or not he was actually going to, like, retain his voice and his voice box was going to come back. But they basically made Feed the Machine as just, like, a... Let's just celebrate that Chad's cool and, you know, with, you know and everything. So, the fact that they took themselves less seriously, I don't know, it, it kind of shined through a bit. And the title track, Feed the Machine, is actually a pretty decent... Song itself too. Okay. Okay. So I don't know. I, I I I'd say if you guys you guys probably don't listen to Nickelback, but if you wanted to say like, hey, that was not half decent, uh, and give their like one a little spin. Okay.
1: Now, Cody, have you seen the video where they're playing in Portugal and someone flings a rock past Chad kruger's head? Yes. <laughs> so what's funny is
2: his excuse about that was. He said that they, they accidentally got signed on to premiere at this, uh, rock, like this heavy metal, like rock, like slash metal festival. And he basically said, well, if I was at a slash festival and Nickelback came on stage, I would throw rocks at Nickelback.
0: <laughs> they were opening for the Bay City Rollers, apparently. What's that? I heard my, uh, someone told me that they were opening for the Bay City Rollers that night.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they also. This is like ten years ago. Where, yeah. Like, they Twenty years ago, more. about playing the, 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 the halftime show at some uh, football game, and like they, the Super Bowl. The, some football game. Some football know, game. The Super Bowl. <laughs> I didn't of, know you were that
0: uncultured.
2: I think it was the Thanksgiving uh, uh, football game or something like that. Okay. But someone started a petition to have them like not on the. Not play and it's like, yeah, it's obviously not gonna work because it's like it's available for the whole world to like yeah. sign this whole thing. So it didn't. It just blew. It, it
3: that just position blew is gonna work it's, as well as the yeah. Yeah. Position is only gonna work as well as the one to get the SpongeBob uh, song to play at the Super Bowl last
0: year. Yes, sweet victory. Not long at all. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, now do you know how many times Nickelback has played at the Junos? Now for our audience around the world. The Junos are the Grammys, but for Canadian artists only. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. No,
2: I have very fond, uh, I have very, very fond uh, memories of just listening to Nickelback with my parents. You know, anytime "Save Me" comes on the radio, I'll listen to it. It Kind of gives me those, yeah. You know, those old, those old nostalgic
1: feels. Yeah. I absolutely hate. And I mean, hate the song Rockstar. Me too. Oh, you Good don't like it? Fucking God. Every time I had a school dance, that song would play. Oh. I don't even know why. And then I would just go into the bathroom and just like wait for it to be over. That
0: song's not even a <laughs> dance song. No. And then
1: they'd follow it up with Party Like a Rockstar, which is another song I hate. That's not a
0: dance song. <laughs> what kind of dances did you guys have? Shitty ones. Oh, man. That's why I'd always just <laughs> skip them. Uh... But yeah i know um no I I,
2: was, I I actually remember i made like a a track list like a, a custom playlist called best of the worst and it was basically just all the half decent songs that i i don't mind listening to nickelback
0: yeah uh if i had to pick okay there are a handful of nickelback songs that i think are legitimately good songs uh saving me you mentioned saving me um I'm not going to say which family member it is, but, um, in very recent years, one of my family members did struggle with addiction and they are now approaching their two year sobriety anniversary. And every oh, time I hear saving me, I think of them because it's such yeah. it's a powerful song about redemption and, you know, saving yourself and having, you know, the people in your life just care about you. That's a really good song that I have respect for. Um, uh, my favorite albums, uh, I would have to... All the Right Reasons is probably the best one they've done. I, you, you're, Feed the Machine kind of perked up my ears. I'm curious for that album now. Thanks, Cody. But um, no. out, out of the stuff I've heard, uh, The Long Road, uh, All the Right Reasons, and Dark Horse are probably the albums I've listened to the most. Um, I'm in a weird position where I've actually... I own five of their albums, and that includes The State, which was their first album ever. It's so generic. There's only like one song on that album that I like. Uh, that's the no, first. No, no,
2: no. Uh, I, I like Old Enough. I like uh, Leader of Men. Okay. Uh, no, there's some pretty good ones on there.
0: My favorite was Breathe. Uh, but anyways. Oh, breathe. Ah, that's the. A... The first one. Um, the yeah, other cool. Uh, But yeah, uh, Silver Side Up um, is the song that. Oh,
2: Just, just for.
0: That's a good one.
2: That's an angry, aggressive song.
0: Yeah, yeah no, that's. Do you know that I actually, uh, if ever I was angry at someone, what when I was, I list, I that I was really kind of depressed when I was eighteen. If ever on days when I was angry, depressed, I would listen to that song. It, it, it's and, a, and it's a
2: never again is also a good riff in that
0: song. Never again is de- the plot of the song is if domestic abuse were a song, that's never again. Uh. Their music span so when it's they're not.
2: Awesome. Lyle, you should listen to that song never again. There's actually a groovy bass in it. Yeah,
0: I'll play it for you. Official bass lines. Yeah. Right, sure. Uh, another good song. Um, I think the song by them that I out of all the stuff I've listened to, the one, my least favorite song by them of all time is "Next Contestant." The plot of this song is. The plot. No, no, their songs have plots. The synopsis of the. Okay. The, the song is basically. If you hit on my girlfriend while she's working at, I think, Hooters, I will beat the shit out of you. That's literally what the song is about.
1: This is oh, coming the from worst, the guys that who that made that something, that in is, uh, something in Your
2: Mouth. The first for me is Something in Your Mouth. Yeah, I was just saying that.
1: <laughs> it's like they, you follow that song up with the Hooters song with the Something in Your Mouth. Oh, God. God damn it. The first time I heard that song, I cringed and turned it off. Shaking
0: Hands and Something in Your Mouth are almost the same song.
2: Shaking yeah. Hands at least has a nice like, yeah, yeah. And It kind of has a cool like guitar riff to it. Yeah,
0: um, yeah.
2: I'm clearly, I'm clearly more of a fan of when Nickelback is more heavier than when they
0: do pop, easy, right. radio friendly hits. Makes but, sense. Um, uh. Um you know what, uh, one of my favorite songs by them was the last song on The Long Road, which is See You at the Show. It's, if I ever make a movie where, like, a bunch of characters celebrate an achievement, I will actually have that song play on the soundtrack. And my two, my closest friends growing up, uh, who didn't go to the same high school that I did, whenever I would chill with them, I, when I told them I wanted to be a filmmaker... Uh, I would jokingly ask them, so if I ever put a Nickelback song in the soundtrack of my movie, will you boycott it? And they said, maybe.
2: It's <laughs> yeah, funny. On one of their later albums, uh, No Fixed Address, I call that, that's the album where Nickelback went disco. Seriously? Yeah. I'm like, they, they went down the exact same path that Kiss went down. With I was made for loving you, baby. <laughs> oh,
0: God. Oh, Lord.
2: They have this song called She Keeps Me Up.
0: What out what year did this album come out? I, uh,
2: I, no the addressed
0: was two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, I didn't care about them by this point. I was I moved on to other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also uh there's also a song off that album that features Flowrider. Oh uh, Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah.
2: God damn Fuggin well, Slow Rider raps in one of his one of their songs. And it's also another kind of disco party song. Why? <laughs> why? But no, no. Um, uh, Feed the machines. They kind of go back to their roots a bit. Okay. Heavy, I, I like heavier stuff. And even the that. pop stuff, it's not as like specific or as corny as all their mainstream ones.
0: Yeah. So okay. I don't know. There's some hope for this band. <laughs> Good. Um I got to tell a story. Um, It's actually, um, Lyle, you'll have to help me out here because one of the first times I ever saw the first band Lyle was ever in, the drummer of that band, uh, outside, me and I guess a bunch of us Brandon, I don't know if you were there or not, but we were talking about Nickelback. Yeah, it was,
1: he was the door guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah,
0: Brandon. Yeah, you were the We were
1: checking people.
0: We were talking about... There was a conversation that got started about Nickelback. And then right before the conversation was about to steer into how bad they were, Brent steered it away and said, with all due respect, they are actually... they People don't... In Canada, they're very hated. But in the United States... They're actually, people flock to their show, their sh- their concerts sell out when they play in the United States more so than yeah. in Canada, but it appeals more to Americans than it does to Canadians, but they're, they're critically successful so much so that they can keep producing music. In fact, and I remember Brent was very wise for saying that it's like, you know, so think about that next time you think about like why you hate them. And then, uh. I even remember Deadpool cap chimed in on the whole, why does everyone hate Nickelback too? Um, Yeah. 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 When was that? When, okay. So Cody, can you explain this? Uh, You probably spent, I
2: think think it was just a trailer for that. Uh, once upon a Deadpool thing where, uh, Fred Savage was in the bed and he starts like ripping on Nickelback and Deadpool just like literally defends Nickelback. Yeah. Like verbatim. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a minute long little thing. It's pretty funny. Yeah, huh? I must not have seen that one.
0: Yeah, they'll play it. It's yeah. it's, it's it's a good one. But yes,
2: yeah, to, to wrap this up, yeah, uh I am guilty to say that Nickelback is a, is a pleasure.
0: Same here. Um, just like your uncle, my uncle in my family was the supreme authority on hatred for Nickelback. But uh, he's come around in recent years saying that he he will admit that some of his of their songs are good, and I agree with him. I, I, I hate hope, a lot. There's hope
1: in these men. Yeah, there is.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, so, um... So I guess it's safe to say we're all guilty.
0: We're all guilty. And we can all go fuck We're ourselves. all guilty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, so, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Uh, it was fun. We will be back with more shenanigans. All in due time. Yeah, have a good night, everyone. Good night, America, and Canada,
1: and the world. Peace. Oh, so every other country isn't going to shout out, just in the U.S. and Canada?
0: Ah, oh, you, me-
1: you motherfucking North American. Well, you're
0: going to make me be inclusive. You didn't even mention Mexico. I- Adios, Mexico. Adios, Brazil. Sayonara, Japan.